Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Lebel, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Warrior. What's going on, guys? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back, episode number 24. That's my Route 24 mask. This episode is in memory of Big Bob Probert. That's right, episode number 24, guys. He's always looking down on everything we're doing here. Um, I'm really grateful to have connected with the Probert family. I got my Probert ride hoodie on. I was going to wear the bandana, okay? I thought it was a windshield. Danny Probert has since told me this is a bandana. It came with instructions. I still can't figure it out. So maybe I'm going to have to learn how to put on a bandana before I'm ever going to ride his Harley in the Probert Ride Memorial. If you didn't catch that episode, if I get my license, my motorcycle license for a year, I get to ride Bob Probert's Harley in the Bob Probert Memorial Ride. And I, that's got to be one of the coolest things that 
ever happened to me in my entire life. So I'm so grateful uh, to the Probert family. We're also gonna be giving away a Probert ride shirt, this shirt actually right here. And I got one on myself, so I'll peel this off. If you're watching live, thank you for joining me on the Puck Support Podcast Network. If you're listening after the fact, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. I just celebrated one year. That's right. One year uh, off all that hard garbage, and it feels amazing. I never in a million years thought I would get here, and there's no way I would have made it without all of your support. It's been absolutely um overwhelming uh at times honestly uh but i'm so grateful i just sometimes feel like i don't deserve any of it um you know we've lost a lot of a lot of men men and women along the way uh, in the hockey community of things like suicide and overdose and i'm just i'm flabbergasted that i'm still here um there's really no reason for it with the way i was living my life and uh I know I mention it all the time, but I, I, I seriously wake up every single day so grateful uh, for all the opportunities that are presented it to myself. And I just look forward to, to connecting with as many people as I can to try to just let people know that they're not alone. I had another former pro hockey player reach out to me today and is, you know, drafted to the NHL. And I'm telling you, it's pretty much the same, so- same story as mine. I'm not kidding. And, uh, we're going to work some things out and get him on the podcast. He's going to share his story, and I'm so excited to get him, him on. I'm not going to drop his name right now, but um, constant conversations like this over the past year, and I thought, you know, I was alone, and I want to let you guys know that you're not alone. Regardless of what you're going through, you're never, ever, ever alone. Uh, I'm coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. Gravenhurst, it's beautiful here. I'm in Susan Cook's basement, Puck Support headquarters. We're getting lots of stuff done, lots of orders going out. Thank you to everyone who's ordered uh, any of our merchandise. But today I'm wearing all Bob Probert stuff because it is episode 24 uh, in memory of Bob Probert. Keep your dukes up. That was his saying. Remember that. Hold on to that saying for later. Keep your dukes up. Just saying. Uh, thank you, Danny and the entire Probert family for all your support and all the cool swag you sent me. Um, they're going to be doing an unboxing of their Puck Support merchandise really soon. So that's really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how lucky I feel um, to have made so many great friendships. And, and they're right at the top of that list. And I'm just, I, I have no other word for it. I'm just so grateful and I feel unworthy. Uh, Before we get into the episode, you guys know that this episode is proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. That's the best in the business, Regan Bartell. Happy birthday, Regan. You just celebrated a birthday out there in Kelowna. Lots of love to you. Uh, Look forward to having you on the show soon. This is Upside Down. Here's one Team Issued shirt, one that you guys may have not seen before. This is an active uh, wear shirt. Hello to Jesse Paradise, former Kelowna Rocket, owner of Team Issued Limited. Check it out, guys. 
I had no clothes when I got out of jail and Jesse hooked me up with pretty much one of everything from the website and I'm, I'm just, I feel lucky about that. He's the sponsor and, and a great friend and one of my first guests on the show and I owe him a lot. Hello, Jesse out in Manitoba. Okay, guys, uh, lots to talk about, but we'll save that for the the ending. We'll, we'll bring in the guest here uh, in a couple minutes, but if you've seen the show, you know how it goes. Um, if you haven't, we'll see you in a few minutes and you'll figure out how it goes. A lot of people may not know that I actually don't talk to 95% of my guests before bringing them on the show. Even my friends that I was disconnected from, I always say, save it. Let's just wait till we're live. And today is no different. Fighting and concussions have played a major role in my podcast and been a hot topic of conversation, and I don't expect that to be any different today. During my time in the Western Hockey League, there was a couple legitimate heavyweights. Guys like Milan Lucic, Fraser McLaren, and quite possibly the toughest of all, Matt Cassian. Matt Cassian, born October 28, 1986 in Edmonton, Alberta, grew up playing in the Sherwood Park minor hockey system. Cassian graduated out of the Sherwood Park system and moved on to the Western Hockey League's Vancouver Giants in 2003-2004. Standing six foot four, 240 pounds, Cass quickly made a name for himself around the league as one of the league's heavyweights. He played parts of two seasons with the Giants before being traded to the historic Kamloops Blazers. Following the 2005 season, Matt Cassian was drafted in the second round by the Minnesota Wild, 57th overall. It was during his time with the Blazers that he really solidified himself as one of the guys that was the real deal. He was the guy that everybody was talking about before the game. Make sure you have your head up. Don't piss him off and make sure you know where he is. I can speak to that because I played against Cass on a couple of different occasions while I was with the Swift Current Broncos. And let me tell you, I'm really lucky that I never had to square off with this guy. He was in a totally different class than I was. To be honest, most guys didn't want to fight Matt Cassian, and I don't blame them. Cassian turned pro in 2007-2008 with the Houston Arrows of the American Hockey League, the Minnesota Wilds farm team, where he played with a friend of mine, Cody Allman, former Kelowna Rocket teammate. In 2010-11, Cassian got the call to the show, appearing in four games for the Minnesota Wild, collecting 12 minutes in penalties. Through his six years with the Wilds organization, Cassian took on anybody and everybody, and he had to take on all the heavyweights because he's a heavyweight himself. We've often talked about this on the podcast, about the anxiety that comes with that, and I'm interested to hear what he was going through. Being an enforcer in hockey is one of the most thankless jobs out there. But it takes a real warrior to step to the plate night after night, putting your body on the line. During the 2012-2013 season, Cassian was traded to the Ottawa Senators. During his time in Ottawa, he got to play with another one of my friends and former line mate, Zach Smith. Cass and Smitty were actually part of that line brawl back in the playoffs against the Toronto Maple Leafs in 2013. During his career, Cassian suited up for 76 NHL games between Minnesota and the Ottawa Senators before hanging them up in 2014-15 as a member of the Portland Pirates of the American Hockey League. Retiring from hockey can be one of the hardest decisions to make, and once you make that decision, the realities can really set in. 
And some guys have really struggled and in some cases even lost their lives because of it. I believe it goes back to that meaning and purpose, having reason to get out of bed every morning and feeling like you really matter, that you belong to something. I don't know Cassian from a hole in the wall, but I'm excited to talk to him today because upon his retirement, he jumped headfirst into the business world, which is extremely admirable because a lot of guys don't know which direction to head to. Over the course of my research for this podcast, I uncovered that Matt Cassian fought 184 times during his career from 2003 to 2014. 184 times he shed his mitts and put his face and body on the line. I don't know of too many guys that have fought more than Matt Cassian. And you have to remember, he wasn't just fighting anybody. He was fighting the other big guys across the leagues that he played in. Side note, I got a text from my good friend Paul Rosen this morning saying, Hey, bud, have a great show. Cass is an unbelievable guy. He was the captain of Team Canada when we were down in Australia. I've heard this from a few others as well. I heard he's an all-around great individual, and that doesn't surprise me. Often it's the biggest, toughest, meanest-looking guys that are actually the nicest. And to me, that's what a true warrior is. There's lots to talk about here today, lots to uncover. So let's do it. Let's bring him in. Originally from Sherwood Park, Alberta. One of the toughest individuals I ever faced off against. Cassination, Matt Cassian. I got you muted. Hold on. There you go. There we go. I was just saying classic. Great tunes already. I love it. Hey, that's Vancouver Giants, is it not? Yeah. <laughs> that's a long time ago. Feels like forever ago. But yeah, no, that's uh, that sounds about right. I think that was one of. That was one of at least it was a warm up tune, but man, yeah. that, that'll take me right back. Yeah, because I listen. I remember going back. I remember going to the games back in two thousand three, two thousand four, uh, in the couple first couple years there. That was the tune that they used to blare, and then I would of course go home and and you know Front Street, uh, yeah. the Ghetto Blaster, get that tune pumping, and uh, you know I thought it was a Vancouver Giant. Never happened, but I did make it to the dub. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, Thanks. not a problem. Happy happy to be on. It's uh, it seems like you got quite a growing. Growing little podcast. I mean, not little, but like growing podcasts. It's awesome. It was, uh, you know, when I first saw that you were doing this, I was, um, I was excited for you and happy for you. And it's been fun, um, you know, starting to follow along and and hear about your journey and hear about other guys' journeys too. So it's, uh, it's really cool. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be a part of it and uh, and happy to be here. Yeah, man. No, well, seriously, thanks, man. And it's funny because it, now that we're on the other side of each other, I mean. It's no joke, man. You were like the, the scariest guy probably in the Western League. And, and I'm not the only one that will say that. And, you know, and I've just heard nothing but great things about you. And then, you know, right away, I'm like, man, this guy's just uh, one of the, you could just tell he's a like, super nice guy. Um, and we'll get to that here in a minute about having to turn that on and, and play that role. But you also have a podcast or you're a member of a, a podcast. How's that going for yeah, you? Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, I, I, um, when I was done, I didn't, and I know like when we'll talk, or maybe we'll talk about all of this, but I, I saw players as my career progressed, kind of go one of two directions when they finished playing, you know, one was they just, it was all still hockey. Like that was the only thing they could identify with, or some of them wanted nothing to do with it and were really frustrated or, or bitter. Um, and I could feel myself the way it ended, go a little bit towards that bitterness route. So I jumped right into being involved a little bit with TSN on the media side of it, um, which was really good to force me to watch and force me to be involved and um, and help me move past some of the the frustrations I had. Um, and then you know in doing that, you, 
just some of the guys in in the radio world and some you know ex players as well. One of one of the guys in the podcast too. Uh, two guys in a goalie is the name of the podcast. But we talk you know all NHL stuff. Um, little more focused here local in Edmonton, but, but it's a blast. It's really good on doing the same, like just keeping me involved, um, you know, get to watch it still get to talk about hockey. Like it's just, it's just fun. And the other guys are, they're a bunch of idiots too. So it's, it's good to have someone I can make fun of uh, as well and, uh, and, and have a good time. So it's, it's really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoy it. Just, I, I'm sure like you doing this too, it's um, for as, as challenging as, hockey can be at times and for all the issues that it does have it still is a beautiful game and it's fun to watch and fun to be involved with so i i still uh, i still i i just i like doing it it's fun yeah and and i we talk about it all the time and terry ryan was on the podcast and he put it this way you know and he and i he wasn't the first one to ever say it but hockey is the vehicle that that seriously has brought brought me and him he said to, to everything in our lives and even though i fell off for you know almost over a decade actually, and where I was totally disconnected from hockey, uh, the only way that I was able to get out of that hell was somehow get connected back into hockey. And though I'm not playing at that level or anything, it's a different side of it. And like you said, it just brings us so many different beautiful yeah. friendships and opportunity. And it's just, I'm, I feel very grateful to have the opportunities that I had, even though I was bitter about my career for a long time, I could look back at it now and be like, you know what? Uh, I believe that I made it just far enough to, to be able to do what I'm doing now. And what I really want to do is, is help people and, and share my story and hopefully help others share their stories. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about your time in the Western league uh, with the giants. What was that like when you first showed up to Vancouver? Because, you know, it was a pretty cool place, Pacific Coliseum. They're no longer playing there. But, I mean, I that's where I grew up watching Pavel yeah. Burrett. So I loved the fact that they were playing there. Did you like playing there? I, I loved it. You know, it was – it was a little eye-opening from a world standpoint, you know, being being you know sixteen, going on excuse me, seventeen years old, and moving out to the coast and away from your family. I mean, you know, you know that experience as a as a Western League kid and moving to a to a big city. Um, it was it was uh, I, I wouldn't wasn't starstruck, but it was it was eye-opening. It was eye-opening in a lot of ways. Um, you know, I was a, I was a late bloomer from a hockey standpoint. It took me years to convince my parents to just allow me to try out for the rep rep hockey teams. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't start playing rep hockey until probably like 13. So it was, it was late um, wow. just because my parents were just kind of, they weren't, you know, they love sports, but they, I mean, they, to them, it was commitment, man. It's a huge commitment, oh, huge commitment. And, and, you know, we're a pretty big family family. And so it was, you know, again, it took me it took me years, and so it was, uh, it was a little naive of some of the hockey world still at that point uh, going out there. But it was it was still a blast. Like there's there's some lifelong friends um, still that I have uh, from that organization. Some wonderful memories, some challenging memories as well. Just like anybody going anywhere, you know, we we have great memories, and then we have ones that um, that maybe aren't as great, but they they have become a part of who we are as people and as individuals. And um, overall, when I look back, I go, you know what? I learned a lot about life, um, a lot about myself. If I really think about it, even though maybe it took me a couple of years to figure out exactly what it was I learned, uh, eventually it caught up with me. And and overall, you know, the, the PNC was cool. Like that was a, the cool thing about that experience was it felt like you were, you were on an even bigger stage than you were. Yeah. And, um, you know, with the with the NHL lockout um, right around that time too, 
um it was you know even more so because you had more fans so it's like we had a ton of fans in the building um it was really loud people were really into it so it felt uh it was just it was just a cool feeling being able to go there and, and to play so it was uh it was a it was a blast i i really enjoyed my time there yeah well i know gilbert uh brule was excited that you're coming on yeah. the show. recently had him on there's there's you back in the day just baby faced uh, look how young you are there oh hey. just a baby yeah. And, and probably like you didn't wear a visor for too much longer after that. Eh? I guess in the American league you had to, but I had to in the American league, got rid of it as soon as I can, or I, I could have. Um, yeah. Funny enough, actually I talked with Gilbert earlier today. So oh, nice. uh, he said he might be listening. So maybe he, maybe he is, or he'll catch up with it later. Yeah. But, well, uh, he's in Poland. So who knows what time it is there. Yeah, true. Four or five in the morning. He'll probably catch up though. And he just, you know, he was excited to see, and I was so happy to be able to connect with him. You know, he has had his, his own uh, ups and downs in his life yeah. and it seems he's really picked it, picked it up. And I'm just so proud of him and, and hello to him out in Poland. Uh, but when he got traded to Kamloops, I mean, same division, like what the hell were the giants thinking? That was uh that was a shock to the system. Um, so that happened. It happened on trade deadline day, about two minutes before the deadline. So was in at the rink, like not really thinking anything of it and get called into the office at the practice rink in, in, uh, in Delta, South Delta there. And, um, you know, when I walk in, it was, you know, not just, not just Don Hay, you know, an assistant coach is like a video meeting. It was like, it was Don Hay and Craig Bonner and Scott Bonner and Toledo, the assistant Colin Robinson. And it was like, it was everybody was in the room and I was like, something's going on here. <laughs> um, and that, yeah, it was, a, it was a shock to the system. Um, you know, I guess even Toledo told me later, cause he ended up coming falling to Kamloops. He's still there as a trainer there, who's still one of my favorite people in the world. Um, but he told me they, as an organization, they all took a vote on it, whether to trade me or not, because they couldn't, wow. they couldn't decide. Um, cause it's for, you know, trade for Cam Cunning. So it was Kamloops leading score at the time. Um, and, uh, and they decided to pull the trigger, which, you know, pretty rare to do that inside the division. Um, yeah. and, and threw me, it was just, a, it, it threw me, it really did. It, it threw me in a lot of ways and, you know, yeah, it, it, it's pretty hard to describe because I, I love that organization. And so it was, it was hard. It was hard to go to another team and, you know, great memories from Kamloops too. Um, that first year in particular, like right after I got traded, the rest of that year was a lot of fun. Um, just about knocked out Nigel Dawes and, and Kearney. Like we were, we were one period away, I think, from putting the nail in the coffin because we were up two two games to none. Um, and uh, Nigel Dawes scored to put it into overtime, um, and then they won in overtime, and then they won four straight. Like we just couldn't we couldn't recover after that. Um, and then there were some hard times there because we sucked. Um, we were not very good and there was a lot of turmoil inside the organization. So it went from, you know, looking down the barrel of being part of a Memorial cup to being part of a team that was not very good. And, um, so there's some challenges in it too, but it's, uh, it's such a bizarre experience. And I know you've probably talked about it with other guys is like, you're like 16 or 17 or 18 years old and you're, you're treated kind of like a piece of meat, like where you can get traded yeah. and uproot your whole life and school and friends. And it's just, it's kind of a, a crazy experience when you think about it. And, you know, it's fortunate that it was only four hours away and, uh, and there's some other good things about it, but man, it's, when I look back at that, I'm kind of like, that's some, that's some, just some, it's just bizarre. It's just a weird experience to have to go through that. Did you, uh, do you think you got a bit more opportunity through that trade or did you change your game at all? Um, I know you, I have your fight cards from every single year and yeah. uh, I mean, your last, 
couple of years in the dub you fought, I mean, the last three years, you had close to 21, 18 and 20, um, you know, it's over 60 fights in three yeah. seasons. And people have to understand that like back, you know, in the Western league, especially back then um, there was legit heavies like you and, and Fraser and Luch. And um, you guys had some amazing fights. I actually have a couple DVDs, like best, best of the West. I should actually make copies. I don't know. Yeah. If you have it, it's literally every single fight. Uh, from like 05, 06, 06, 07. And, and it's just incredible. Me and my buddy watch it. I mean, you're all over it. And I, there's one where you, I remember when you fought Miles Rumsey. I don't know if you remember that. It was Miles Stays. Stays. Stays too, but Miles Rumsey was our captain in Swift. And man, it wasn't much of a fight for him. I mean, I remember that one too. (laughs) He was the only one. And we're like, if you want to fight? And he was like, well, he's the captain. He's like, "Uh, well, I guess I got to fight him. And you you pretty much cold clocked him. And I think he told me like years later, his ear is still messed up from it. But how much did you, no, I know. But how much did you, did you enjoy it? Or did you feel you had to? And did it ever become too much? Or did you just roll with it? Because it this was your ticket to the show? Like, yeah, that's a it's a great question. So I mean, I knew that that was going to have to be a part of my game. Um, so my first shift first first game first shift in the Western League, um, stepped on the ice and I took a run at uh, Jason Goulet, who was like six foot five, um, played with PG. Um, he was like 250 pounds, 20 years old, I think. I think he was 20. So the 19 or 20. I'm pretty sure he was 20. And um, uh, like I took a run at him. Like it was clean, clean. I guess maybe not a run, but like I I went after him, uh, hit him pretty good in the corner, and I was skating away, and he two-handed me. And in the back of my mind went, well, I don't want this to happen anymore. And so if I don't want this to happen anymore, I guess I better do something about it. Um, and so turned around and was like, well, he's bigger than I thought he was. Uh, was still 16 at the time, um, you know, about to turn 17, but still as a 16 year old kid. And not like I was, not like I was small. I mean, I was, I was big, but I was still like, Oh boy, like, here we go. Yeah. He's a big, big boy. Um, and, uh, and I held my own, like it wasn't, wasn't a great from a fighting standpoint, but um, kind of from that point on, I was like, well, this is, this is probably going to be a part of my game. Like it's just naturally going to be, um, I actually think my second fight was against a guy by the name of Cam McCaffrey who uh, played for Tri, um, was one of the toughest guys in the league. Wasn't huge, but he was a southpaw. Um, um, and uh, same thing, like held my own, kind of my first two or three fights against guys a lot older. And I just kind of got through, didn't really get tagged with anything and, and survived really. And then after that, I just kind of picked up steam and momentum from being really good at it. <laughs> um, you know what? It, it, it's a, it's an interesting thing because as you said, it, most people generally feel that I'm not that mean of a person outside of the hockey rink, but there's a couple parts to it. I mean, a switch would flip a little bit like where, where and not, not all the time. I was never like a, just go absolutely bonkers. Although it, it happened on the ice type of player. I was a little bit more calculated with it. Um, but for me, it was a, it was a part of the game. I mean, it, it, it would approach it the same as if I was, you know, into UFC or boxing, or, you know, even if you're, you know, we don't have much of it in Canada, but like you're a wrestler, like an Olympic wrestler, it's like the same, the same physicality to it. I mean, jujitsu, same thing, like where, you know, it, it's part, it's part of what you're doing. Um, I didn't want to see people hurt. I didn't want to see people hurt from it. So I hate when you guys are like, their ears are still a little messed up. I'm like, ah, like I, I don't like hearing that. You know, for me, it was about swinging momentum in a game and trying to, yeah. you know, I always say, you know, for me, a great game and I could sleep at night when my teammates could just go out and play, you know, when they didn't worry about getting hit, when they didn't worry about getting slashed, when they didn't worry about getting hit from behind or they have to go fight someone like if they could just go play. um, That was when I felt satisfied, like I had done my job as a teammate. 
Um, and so that that was the way I really operated um, and went about it. You know, I, I don't think, you know, now I don't hold any malice towards anybody. And even, you know, it's funny you mentioned Fraser McLaren, like, we, we clashed in the Western League and then we clashed in the NHL too where like we couldn't stand each other playing against each other. Like I just couldn't stand it. Um, but we've, uh, you know, we actually went for breakfast last year. Like when I was out in Winnipeg, I was there. I, I texted him. I was like, hey, let's go for breakfast. Um, we had bumped into each other at a charity game and just basically instantly started laughing. He actually would be a great guy to have on your show too. He's really good for stuff like this. Um, but uh you know, sometimes even those guys where you think there's a little more animosity to it, you, you kind of you look back and maybe there was at the time, but now I'm able to look back at it and say, like, you know, we both were doing doing what we felt was our job at the time. And I know, at least for me, like, there was no no ultimate malice behind it. So it uh, it was interesting. Um, not always an easy way to to pave your way to the NHL, but um, mm -hmm. but uh, but one that for me it, it got me there and got me an opportunity. Um, um, you know, more so than my skating speed because that was always an issue. So, <laughs> hey, man, it, you made it though, and that's the thing, right? And, and very few people can say um, that they played in the NHL, and I think it's a huge accomplishment, man. Like, you got to be pretty proud of that. I, I just touching back on Fraser for a minute. You guys fought a lot, and I watched a lot of your fight videos over the years, and especially over the last couple of days. There's a couple, like actually, a lot of them where you guys do not wait or hesitate. It's like you're waiting, and there's one I actually saw you. Threw throw your uh, I think it was against him you throw your glove off before the puck was dropped and then you, the the linesman actually had to come pick no, up no, that was Peros oh that was against Peros, <laughs> that was Peros. Oh, yeah God. that one's you know what that one's so funny uh like the, the linesman you can't really see it he pump fakes me with the puck drop and and like with a with a big guy like George I want I want space like because I'm big too but I still don't want like just watching how he fights like I want to set the like as far as like when we engage in the timing of it I'm a, I was always big on like I just like to be in control of that so yeah. for me I didn't know if he was gonna rush in because he's done that to guys before and try to like sit in a little tighter and for me a lot of guys in the NHL in particular they would try to fight me that way like they would want to be strung out they want to sit in sit in close um so I wanted space and the, the linesman pump faked me on that. And uh, it looks so bad. I don't know how I didn't get a penalty for unsportsmanlike, but whatever. Um, and uh, someone sent me a, a GIF via Twitter a little while later where they made it look like I was using the force. Like, like, like I started like this and I like pull my glove backwards the other way is pretty funny. I need to find that somewhere. But that's, it was, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's funny because the, the other linesman comes, brings you the glove, and then they drop the puck and then you guys fight anyway. Yeah, yeah but anyways. Funny. Yeah. Um, what about, what about the nerves and stuff, man? Because it's, you know, I, I was, I was a middleweight at, at best and it wasn't, that wasn't my game, but I'll tell you what, I used to lose sleep at night knowing that maybe I was going to have to fight the next day or whatever. Yeah. And that wasn't really my game. So, I mean, you, you talk about a guy like yourself and that has elevated tenfold. How would, how did you manage that? And did you feel that? Yeah, well, I, I always felt that fear. I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't struggle with too much anxiety. Like I didn't sit, I didn't lose sleep over it. Usually like there were some nights where you get a little bit, you know, your eyes feeling a little bit, but usually didn't, didn't have trouble like sleeping or anything. Um, but day of the game before the game, before it happens, I would, I would feel that fear. I actually think that fear is healthy. Yeah. Um, like I was like, if, if that goes away or you don't feel it, like that's, I think when you do something foolish or, or stupid, like, you know, the, the fear response we have is sometimes to protect us or to make us more aware. And it's, it's okay because it makes you cautious. 
um, um, and where you don't you don't step outside of yourself. So I would I would always feel that. Um, I know I went through a short period, probably in Kamloops, where it was like you were wanting to throw up before. Like I could feel a little bit of the wanting to throw up before, and that was even at a time like then when I wasn't I wasn't really losing any fights. Like I wasn't there shouldn't have really been you know maybe a couple guys that could hold their own, but beyond that it was like you know there was like Aaron Bugard and, and yep. Luch was in Vancouver who was pretty tough but there wasn't you, you know early on and he's actually a guy that played in Swift there wasn't like a, a Matej Troyovsky for oh, example yeah. who was yeah. like who, who was an absolute beast um you know DJ King wasn't there anymore like a lot of the guys some of them were were not there um however you know I just it was it was like an internal thing for a little bit where I dealt with that but I didn't I didn't deal with that all the time um, and in the NHL, it was the same thing too. Like where day of, I'd get quite a bit of nerves about it if I knew it was going to happen, um, but not a not a crazy amount. Um, there was a couple teams where it, it, it used to be nerves, and then it was more just like dread isn't the right word, but like come on, like really, we're going to have to do this again. And that would be more like um, when I was in the minors playing in Houston, we played San Antonio like eight or nine times, um, and they had a guy played some in the NHL by the name of Francis Lassard. Oh who yeah, was just a, like. He, 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 uh, a great teammate, apparently. Like, I don't, I don't know Francis, but you know, he had his helmet, he wears helmet. So it was like right above his eyebrows, helmet right above his eyebrows. He had leather. So he would change out like the, the plastic ear straps. He would have leather straps and he'd have that bucket cinched up as tight as he could around here. Um, could skate really fast, but couldn't turn. So it was like, anytime he's on the ice, all you hear from our bench is guys just yelling, heads up, heads up. Because like, he would just take runs at guys every single time. Donkey runs at guys every single time. Yeah, Francis. Uh, and and it was like, every game I knew I was going to have to fight him because I knew he was going to do something stupid. And he would, he would like, it was pointless. Squaring off against him was pointless because he would never commit. He'd just sit so far away. So it was like, if I fight this guy, I'm going to have to jump him. He knows he's going to do something stupid and I'm going to fight him and I'm going to jump him. Like, Every single time and where it got to the point where I told him, I'm like, Francis, you know, like if you do something, I'm going to jump you and we're going to fight. Like, don't do anything stupid. And then he'd go off and do something stupid and I have to fight him. Like, and those ones were, it wasn't like nerves, like scared at that point. It was just like, here we go again. Like, I'm going to have to go fight Francis again. And even like with, well, McLaren was a little bit different because he was, he was, uh, you know, him and Colt Moore, uh, you know, they would play together. And so that was, there was still some nerves with that one. Cause those guys, um, well, both of them had enough heat behind their right. Where like, if you get caught, you're going to, you're going to feel that thing, especially Colt Moore. Like he, he, he throws slow, like, whereas he didn't throw like quick and hard, but he threw hard. Like if you got caught with that, it was going to hurt. Um, um, so those guys too, there's, there's some situations where it's maybe a little bit less on the, the nerve side and more just on the like, okay, like this is going to happen. I know it's going to happen. So like, let's just, let's just get this over with and get it done. Um, well, you got, you got yeah. the Colton though, uh, in, 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 in most my, of them. Yeah. Most, yeah. Like you, you know, and that, I think that kind of solidified you, uh, in the league. Uh, but you took on, man, you took on everybody. You took on, you even, you even fought biz nasty. Yeah. Well, like, I actually, that one, I, I ripped, I ripped my ab and my groin off the bone in the middle of that fight. So that wasn't good. So it didn't, uh, it, it was a, it was a shorter fight and it, it didn't do much. Like for, for him, typically he was on the lighter end of it. Like, and I wouldn't be too, too concerned with that. But uh, yeah, in the middle of the fight, I ripped, uh, ripped my groin and my ab right off and tried to, like, I played the rest of the game and then tried to play a couple games after it. Because <laughs> oh. it was post, um, um, uh, like where they, uh, like roster freeze. 
at yep. the end of the season. So they only get a couple call-ups and they did, they'd used a couple already. And there was a bunch of guys banged up. Um, so I was like taking three days of rehab to skate once at that point. And, uh, I actually got another fight against Guillaume Debien. Uh, he was with Vancouver at the time. Um, and it was like, I had to hold my breath to get through a shift. Like it was like step to go to step on the ice. I'd take it like a <gasps> big breath in. And then I had to hold my breath the entire time. Cause if I let my abs go, like it was just, just basically feel like burning fire from, from all the way down my abs and into my groin. It was, it was horrible. Uh, had to pull the plug on the season a little bit after that, but, uh, yeah, that was uh, Amazing what we what you push yourself through just to oh, stick there. You know what I mean? What crazy. about what about concussions, man? And we don't have to get into it, but like, did, is that something that you really suffered from fighting um, a lot of? Uh, do you think it's more to do with the speed and the hitting of the game or combination? And yeah, the final thing to touch on that: what's your stance on fighting? And you don't have to answer any of those questions if you don't want. No, to. No, no, no. They're great questions. I'm 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 happy to talk about that stuff. I think it's it's good to talk about and it's important to talk about. I was very fortunate. Um, um, I don't have any documented concussions. I think I had one and it was from a hit, um, where, where I got caught like just right, right on the, right on the chin and like turn, turn my neck. Like it was a hit yeah. that only like the principal point of contact with my chin and it, and it popped me. Um, and I think, you know, I, I may have had one after that, uh, beyond that, I was very fortunate that I, I did not experience, you know, a concussion that I know of or, or concussion like symptoms. Um, I was pretty good at slipping punches so i didn't it was it was i didn't get tagged that often um you know there's a few times uh, i got hit got hit pretty good uh, but for the most part i avoided getting absolutely you know um um hit hard and, and frequently from a fighting standpoint and part of that was size part of that was just being lucky and, and part of that was just was, was skill from a technical standpoint um um so very fortunate that I didn't have to deal with that a lot. Um, current views on fighting. Um, I would say that you probably, there's probably still less from fighting than there would be from, well, okay, let me back that up. Um, if we're looking back like three or four years ago, probably less from fighting than from just regular play in terms of total volume. Um, but I, I can appreciate and I understand where th there's maybe in that instance, a higher risk of it. And certainly with what we know now from a science standpoint, people wanting to protect against that. And, and you know what, and that's, and that's okay. And, and that's okay. You know, I, I, uh, I have a little bit of caveman in me where it's like, I, I still like watching UFC and like boxing matches and, and hockey fights. There's that, there's that element to it. However, we're getting to a point now where the frequency has dropped so much that, um, if people getting are getting in fights, they're usually two people that don't know what they're doing. And that raises the the danger dramatically. Um, you know, the risk of guys, and probably it's more from hitting their head on the ice, yeah. I would think, than from from just getting getting hits. Because hockey fairly rarely are guys getting hit totally, totally flush. Like usually. Sometimes they do, but not not all that often. Um um, that being said, guys falling, hitting their heads on the ice, that, that to me is where a real danger lies. So I'm, I'm fine with them slowly working it out of the game. I just think there's other things that the league needs to do to protect their players because the flip side is, you know, I think with less fighting, there's less, maybe, maybe head injuries between the fighters. But what I've seen is a dramatic increase of wrist and, and ankle injuries, wrist and hand injuries in particular. Um, and I think the two are probably correlated. I agree. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not opposed to fighting where I sit and think it needs to be out of the game, like gets this barbaric side out of the game. You know, to me there was always a time and a place for it. Um, you know, strictly pointless fighting I think is dumb. 
Uh, but there was, and I think is still a spot where it's like, if, if referees aren't policing the game, like they're supposed to, because they're supposed to, um, then sometimes it can send a little bit of a message, um, and act as, a, as an outlet a little bit. So, um, I don't know. I kind of, I don't usually like to be a fence sitter, but I'm a little bit of a fence sitter on it. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it's like, because it's a controlled environment, there's some things that are okay about it, but because, yeah, the frequency is to a point where I think the danger has increased. I'm I'm fine with it slowly, slowly working its way out. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I've talked about a couple times, Jim Thompson, a uh, former tough guy in the NHL back in the 90s on the show. And, you know, he mentioned too, and I think, you know, even in junior, like in the Western League, you fight three times and then, you know, get ejected. I think yeah. maybe in junior, you know, you fight once, you're out. And then yeah. you know, that's... You know, if you want to keep it three in the NHL, I mean, whatever, that's up to them. But I think, you know, when we're talking about young kids, like you talk about being 16, 17 years old, fighting a 20-year-old, um, you know, not necessarily mean the 20-year-old's tougher or stronger or anything, but I mean, that that's assault on a minor anywhere yeah. else. It's kind of, you, you're kind of in that weird, like, kind of, I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, fl I flip-flopped a lot uh, on it, but I think... I think there's a, a couple good points and it's just, you make a really good point. Uh, the fact that these, you know, a lot of guys don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, the hitting has been uh, the speed of the game. If I really believe that if they want to reduce concussions, they need to bring back the two line pass or yeah. something. It would help. Yeah. To slow the game down. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's like the, the fighting is one thing there's, there's hitting as well. So I think if you're looking at it from a, you know, how do we reduce this? I don't think it's just a, just a one thing that's, that's an issue. Um, and, and certainly like you want to cut down on the, the head injuries and, and I'm all for, again, I'll, I'll agree with you from a junior standpoint, like those are, those are young men that are, that are developing. Um, and, and I think what we already are seeing with those leagues is they will slowly start to put in rules to, to take it out so that people that are like, let's call them fight purists that just want it in the games. They'll, you know, um, it'll be like a slow, a slow, let's call it a slow death versus just, you know, a, a cold stop on it, which is again, which is okay. Like I love the skill in the game. There just needs to be, you know, if you're worried about that and you're looking after that and you want that out, well then let's make sure we take out any, anything else that can cause the same level of harm or, or impact. And I'm all for like, you know, not a you know not a big boys shouldn't cry like i think men should cry like and it's important to cry and to have emotions and all that at the same time it's like i like physicality to games and i want people to be able to be physical and i want hitting and i want contact because it's like it it, it just you know it, it it makes it better <laughs> but you have to have it in a way where there is a level of safety um like an appropriate level of risk with an appropriate level of safety um, because you know these are humans, and you don't want them just completely wrecking their bodies for the rest of their lives. You you want to be able to have them play a game because I mean I love the physicality of, of the speed and the contact. Like that's a fun part of it, um, but it has to be it has to be appropriate. And um, certainly you want to um, allow people to be able to walk and use their body for the oh, rest yeah. of their life too, and brains. Yeah, I needed to ask you because, you know, I I did the math. I, I had to count it three times, and, and there's probably more because this isn't, you know, we're not talking preseason in the Western yeah. League uh, or in even in the American League. Um, even in the NHL, there's no preseason on here. There's two just from Traverse City, but we're talking 
over 184 fights. Yeah, probably but, close to 200 total. Yeah, you know, and so yep. if, if there's one guy that can make a comment on it, it's, it's you, man. Uh, so I had to ask you, did you ever, have you ever gone back and, and really thought about how many times you, you dropped the miss? Have you counted before? Did you know that? Yeah, it was, it's right around that 200 mark. Yeah, it's, it's, it's in there. So it was, it was a lot. <laughs> it was lots. Um, yeah, there was a lot of them. And I still got all my real teeth, fortunately. And I, uh, I only chipped one and it was from flossing. Uh, at, at the back where I had a feeling that was like I cracked somewhere along the line and it got caught. So yeah. that's awesome. I, I, I it. only broke my nose once. Oh, I was yeah, cool. broke my nose once, uh, twice playing hockey, once from a once from a punch, um, and once from uh, once from a hit, and then cut twice only in fights. Who broke your nose? Who in the who punched? Uh, you? Brandon Bolig would have been the fight. Oh, yeah, and that was a it was a. It was one of the longest fights of my life. Really, if you're looking at pure entertainment, like it, it was one of the the best, um, both in the minors. So I was with Houston. He was with Rockford. And uh, he's a lefty, real real tough guy. And uh, and he popped me once clean and caught me flush in the nose. Um, um, but I was, uh, you know, one thing that I had was that even if I got popped, it didn't usually didn't usually phase me. So yeah. it was kind of like a, you just kind of shake it. You, your eyes go black for a second because your nose just got smacked. And yeah. then I was like, yeah, whatever. And we just kept going. But uh, yeah, that was the only time in a fight my nose was broken. And then, yeah, cut twice. Once was from an elbow pad where the guy missed and he, he cut me above here a little yeah. bit. And then and then once was a clean punch that was that would just uh, that split me. Um, but yeah, that was it. I was pretty, again, well, I, I, I think I was pretty fortunate in that I, you know. I think. Yes. Yeah. Well, just just from a positioning, like I I I was a decent counter puncher and used my angles well. So usually guys slipped or they didn't hit me too too flush. Is that so, something you worked on a lot? Like, is that at, yeah. at what point did you start to really you know tr start training that way? When I was sixteen, again after that okay. season, that first season with Vancouver, where it was kind of just like uh, you know first couple survived and then realized, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. Yeah. Um, no, I started taking boxing lessons. Um, um, actually with a guy by the name of Daryl Duke here in Edmonton, who was, um, he was the Edmonton strength, like strength and conditioning coach. Yep. Um, but he also was a gold medal kickboxer, like world, okay. world champion. Um, um, and so he, he, like I, I started working on stuff with him and it was funny first, first day going for like to box. He, uh, he, you know, I remember actually walking in Panther gym was the name of the gym in Edmonton and, uh, um, walking in and watching a guy train in the, in the ring and just being like, Whoa, like I wouldn't want to be in the ring against that guy. Um, so I, you know, asked Daryl who it was and it ended up being the guy, the guy's name was uh, James Cermak was the boxer and he's being trained by Ken Lacusta, who is a, yeah. like a, a legend from a boxing standpoint, Canadian and, and in Edmonton in particular. Um, and I remember just watching the guy move and being like, Nope don't like this is this is crazy um first day didn't have mouth guard with me and daryl made me get in the ring with him at the end of the day so i'm tired because he's just bagging me like just starting with fundamentals yeah. from a purely boxing standpoint at the end of the day he's like get in the ring and i was like and sir mac was in there and he had asked lacusta like if he could put him into spar against me and i just remember like just crapping my pants no and doubt. uh and he clearly he didn't like he wasn't trying to he was just playing with me a little bit but i actually even from a rhythm even through that started to figure out like, like hey like I, I actually i'm actually pretty good at this yeah. uh, uh and and started to figure it out and so from that point on started started training um and um eventually like when i transitioned to that pro stage actually probably would have been after draft being drafted um the gym i worked out here in edmonton we probably were 
the toughest gym hockey wise in North America. It was actually, it was actually nuts. So this was our workout group. We had uh, myself, George LaRocque, um, Zach Stortini, Kevin Westgarth, a guy by the name of Drew Bagnell. Who else did we have? Um, um, oh, we had like Jason Strudwick was there. We, wow. we had like basically like six or seven guys that were legitimate heavyweights. Um, oh, who am I forgetting? Uh, Paul Crosty. He was uh, he was like a heavyweight in the minors, um, just a just a bunch of meat sticks. Um, <laughs> but we all skated together too, and so we did um, we did a lot. Learn how to fight lefties from Big George, um, working with him on stuff. So there was, yeah. Oh, Steve McIntyre, Stevie Mac oh, was there. Yeah. I don't want to forget about that one. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he was a monster, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So we had a lot of guys. So started training. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, that's pretty awesome. I mean, there's now, you know, obviously you're big, you're strong. I think I, I tend to agree with you. You're, you're probably naturally good at it, but now it makes a little, even more sense. Um, the fact that, you know, you had such great training partners and trainer and, and that's the thing, right? Is a lot of people don't understand. And it, alluding to what you said earlier, um, when guys don't know what they're doing, it, it can be even more dangerous. So yeah. I think it's It's great that, it's great to hear that you guys actually all got together and you fought, you fought a couple of those guys. I know you fought Westy yeah. um, at least once. I'm not sure how many times. I think but- just once Yeah, in Ottawa, he took a run at, uh, he took a run at, um, uh, at Carlson. And that was not long after Carlson came back from the Achilles. Yeah. So it was kind of like, no Westy, like, I love you. You're an amazing guy. We're friends, but no. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun one. Who's uh, who would you say the best player you ever played with? And then against, and I don't, and I don't like to make put guys on a spot because listen, there's so many guys that are great, but um, I'll pose it this way: Is there one guy that really just blew you away on your t- on one of your teams, and then a guy you played against? Well, Carlson, Carlson, no doubt, he was yeah. he was ridiculous. I mean, physically, physically a freak, um, and I say that like in in the best way possible, like physically a freak, um, like athletically just a freak. He was absolutely stellar, um, stellar, stellar. Uh, ridiculous on the ice um one of the guys it might surprise you that i think was one of the best athletes um but unfortunately i don't think well not i don't think i i know you know wasn't able to just from a health standpoint was josh harding um you know yeah goalie um unbelievable athlete uh you know um and i still remember when he when he called and um because he called all of us individually to tell us like that he had been diagnosed with MS and mm-hmm. um, you know, that he was having issues with it and he didn't know like what was going to happen basically from a playing standpoint. Um, I remember that. I actually remember being in the car. I remember that phone call it was, it was heartbreaking for me because he was, I, I think he would have been, he would have been a starter soon. And I think he would have been really, 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 really good. Um, Cause he was, he was a, again, just a, one of the best pure athletes I'd ever seen. Um, as far as other guys playing against, um, well, I mean, yeah, Sid, Sidney Crosby, like, <laughs> so I, I started against him once, <laughs> one time. Um, yeah, after that, you, you know, I, I didn't realize that you played with Smitty. I guess, I guess you did yeah. Zach Smith. Yeah. He's a beauty. That yeah. guy. Well, unbelievable. I, I absolutely love that guy. My wife's yeah. still friends with his wife, Brittany, a little bit Brittany, too. Yeah. And, yeah, I went to school uh, with Britain Swift Kern as well. Yeah. Brittany Brad, um, that's her amazing yeah. name. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome people. Yeah. Great people. Um, but uh, we were on a line, like it was me, Smitty and Chris Neal. And so we had that brawl in playoffs against Montreal and we were, we were really good. Like I didn't start playing in that series, but things got out of hand. Griba had a hit, you know, there was blood everywhere and 
um, um, you know, so I got thrown in the lineup and then everything was nasty enough that I kept getting put in. And then we, we played really well as a line. Um, and we kind of just beat the snot out of them physically. Like not just, we had the brawl with the fights, but, uh, we just physically were just ran them over. Like it, just anytime they had the puck, we were, we ran them over and they were a skilled team and they just couldn't deal with it. Um, and I think, you know, Paul McLean wanted to do that against Pittsburgh as well. So we started that series, the next series. That was the only time I was on the ice against Crosby, uh, maybe in my career. Uh, but hey, I started a series. You know, it was like, I think it was Aginla, Kunitz, and Crosby. I think that's who it was. But I was lined up across from Aginla, just in my own head, being like, what am I doing on the ice right now? And, and yeah, the last time I was on the ice against him. But, uh, but Crosby, he was. It, it was, it, this is how I described Crosby would be, he was really good all the time. Like he was always good, but every once in a while, he'd just do something and you'd just be like, no one else can do that. You're like, he, he was at the level, like really good level of like really good players. And then it's just like, he'd ele elevate a little bit, um, which was, which was crazy. Um, so he was, he was just, he was on another level. Um, when he, when he'd ramp up and actually what's interesting, cause you know, being here in Edmonton, we get to watch Connor all the time Yeah, and um, um, you know, getting to watch him, he's, I, I think it's like where Crosby was good and would do something amazing. Connor's a little bit higher at that almost amazing all the time level where it's like Connor, it's like he does something good on occasion. I'm like, Oh, that was just okay. Where normally he was up here, he was he's even on another level. And talking to some of the guys, some of the defensemen that I'm that I'm friends with in the league still, where they're just like like Crosby's incredibly hard to defend against. One of the best players, if not you know number two, three in the world, and has been for a long time. But they're like Connor's like trying to defend him is just on a well. You watch another level. He's too fast, and he's always crossing over. It's the edges. Know which way he's gonna go, and it's yeah. Guys are like, I've heard like people, well, why don't you hit him? It's like, yeah, you can't you hit him. He's going 45 <laughs> you can't. an hour. You can't get him. Yeah. I tell my wife all the time she gets sick of me. So I married a Texan, like a, a girl I met from when we were down in the, down in the States. And uh, so she's still like, she I knows a little him. bit about hockey. Um, um, but one of the things I loved was she knew nothing about it. Like yeah. our um, first time I invited her a game, she went to the practice rink. Um, because she thought, yeah, she's way, way, I, uh, is, uh, as I so often say, I outkicked my coverage, uh, on that one with her, but, uh, um, yeah, she, uh, you know, I got her tickets like to come to a Houston arrows game down in Texas and she went to the practice rink, which sits like 50 people. And we played in Houston. We played at the Toyota Center, which is where the Houston Rockets plays. Like it sits twenty thousand. And she went to the practice rink um, uh, because she was just like, "Well, no one goes watch hockey in Texas, so obviously, you know, it makes sense that no one goes to this game here." And she's got a couple pretty funny stories about that. But uh, um, oh man, uh, uh, oh I can't even remember where I was going with that now. Um, with the whole point of that story, I forget. That's okay. Um, yeah. I, that happens to me all the time. Um, it was a good story, um, but <laughs> we're talking about Connor McDavid and oh yeah, sorry, that's right. Yeah, so um, all the time because she like she'll watch and she gets what's going on, but she's not going to know some of the little intricacies. Like she she can tell Connor McDavid's really fast and he's really good, but I'll slow it down all the time. Like when he cuts on somebody, and 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 especially like those when he when you see him come from the outside and just the quick crossover, crossover, then just lean on his edges and go in. And I'll slow it down. I'll be like, Manny, just watch this. I'm like, watch what he's doing with his feet. And I'll just be nobody else can do this. Like I would, I would just fall if I did this. And I can't do it that fast. And uh no one else in the world can do what he does with his edges. He's just he's ridiculous. Absolutely yeah. ridiculous. 
And I, I often wonder, you know, I remember when Crosby's young, I'm the same age as Crosby, you're a year older, but it's like, how much better can, can these kids keep getting and they just keep getting better. And I've been on the ice with a couple young kids uh, in the past little while. And it's just like, wow. You know, and I had a chance to actually, I had a chance to coach Matt Barzell when he was young. And I've shared this before. That's another kid. Yeah is unbelievable he's got to be in the top in my opinion he's top 10 in the league right now yeah, if he's, he's not ridiculous. Now, he'll be soon like so here's he, a question for you when did you learn how to do, throw a saucer pass man how old were you oh god probably like 11 or 12 yeah like and i was like 14 maybe before. 14 yeah yeah like because i'm a, you know like a couple years i think i'm two two years older than you maybe you're three, year older. yeah you're just year older yeah so it was right about that where it's like i remember the first time a guy was like hey have you ever you heard what saucer passes and me be like no what's a saucer pass and him showing us on the ice and me be like why would you ever do that uh like and, and not really knowing how to do it for a long time like until junior like midway yeah. through junior when everyone started actually doing that stuff it's it's crazy um, yeah, Barzell's good. He's really so good. You know who else? Who I when I came back, I was helping out with one of the um, like a school hockey academy here in Edmonton, um, and uh, it was the one like Kirby Doc was there. Okay, he's gonna be he's gonna be up there in terms of guys in the league. I I think he coming out of that draft, he's the best player in my opinion, um, yeah. and and will long-term show to be he's gonna be a fun one to watch he's yeah, really good my dad says that to me all the time my dad's a scout for the saskatoon blades so mm, he, you know, yeah he would know yeah, yeah he said the same thing um just said he's a incredible i haven't had a chance i was really looking forward to getting to watch him play in the world juniors and unfortunately, yeah. and that might have been the difference i really believe he could have been yeah. the difference oh yeah most most definitely yeah yeah, and we also well, – yeah, let me ask you something because maybe I should know this, but what's going on um, – now I can't even remember his name. Um, the first overall pick, why can't I even remember his name? I haven't heard of nothing about this kid for the Rangers. Oh, um, um, I can't uh, even remember his name. Lafreniere. Yeah, Alexi yeah. Lafreniere. What's yeah, he- I don't know. I haven't I – haven't, it almost feels like I've shut in and just watched the Canadian division. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not watching. I haven't been paying attention as much as I should have. So I don't even know. That's a really good question. Right? Like I was um, just thinking, I'm like, hmm. Like I haven't even seen him score his first NHL goal. I thought it would have been all over the thing. Maybe yeah. maybe he has. But I, think he, I think he got it. Um, I think. But I haven't, yeah, I haven't paid attention as much. I think it's just because we're just all about the, you know, the Canadian side, yeah. which is, which is fun. I mean, it's been fun and uh, a little bit more animosity, which again, mm-hmm. I don't think you need to have fighting in the games, but it's fun to see just a little bit more anger and actual uh, animosity. Cause it just, it raises the intensity, especially when there's no fans, you need something. So it's, you know, I've just been paying attention to Canada. It's- so. Yeah, it's you know what I'll tell you a story that you probably don't know, and the listeners, watchers, they they heard this. I got into a little bit of uh, into a little bit of a beef with no 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 relation, but Zach Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about like? Okay, so listen to what happened. So some one of my friends sends me uh, a meme, like a total made up meme, and it's him punching Brady Kachuk, and it was yeah. like. It was like set on the meme. It was like can't wait. As soon as they announced the Canadian all Canadian division, it was like I can't wait to turtle this. You know, yeah. Yeah, I'm not swearing on my podcast anymore. You could swear, but I no, I don't, I don't, I don't in general. So whatever this, you know, B I T C H nine times this season, and then it says Zach Cassian on an all Canadian division, and then underneath it says most likely. So don't I take the Instagram posting this thinking he's gonna love it, and this guy comes back and r- messaged me. I never talked to him in my life. I don't yeah. know. Him. He doesn't follow me or anything. And he said some pretty horrible things to me. And I'm trying to make sure sh- I want to talk to him because I want to apologize. I apologize, but he said some pretty bad things, which yeah. I, I, I don't want to repeat. But I was like, man, like 
do these guys really take it that seriously? Like, I didn't make that. Like, yeah. is that, let me ask you, like, what kind of pressure does that put on an individual um, going through that? Because I know he's gone through a lot, and I've since talked to people who are close to him and saying, you know, obviously. But everything I said, Cass, I was like, this guy's a warrior. Can't wait to see him. Huge yeah. supporter of him. All the stuff he's gone through. He's a battler. It was all positive. And I was just like, I was so shocked. I, I yeah. didn't even think he was going to message me back. It was within two minutes. He's like, you better take that down da, da, da. but uh, let me ask you about that like i should I, I learned a lesson i'll never do something like that again i'll tell you that i'll own my part in it but do you think guys in that situation maybe should have a little bit thicker skin or is it that they really are that concerned about that stuff because yeah what do you think like is it is that a well, joke yeah i mean i can't i can't speak i can't speak for him yeah i can't speak for yeah. him so i i can't say exactly what he was dealing with on that day you know there's there's always a combination because it is it is a pressure cooker in a yeah. lot of ways and um, for him, you know, he had a, a clearly very publicized, like the exit from Montreal and has, has, has publicly had to deal with some of his own demons and some of his yep. own struggles. And so I would say that most likely that made him a little bit more sensitive to people implying things that could um, um, diminish his reputation or his character. And, and so, so I would, I would just assume it was, it was a reaction to that. And of course. Yeah. So again, it, it doesn't make it right that you snap love, out. I still love yeah. the guy. I love the way he plays. I think everything that he's gone through. I I I'm so happy he's found success. I I hope he continues. Yeah. Oh, to me too. I, I truly, yeah. I truly like he'd be like a dream guest for me on the podcast for everything he's gone through. But I I'll be honest. I don't I don't ask current players because I feel like coming on podcast is a distraction. You never know what you're going to say. It's fickle about the career. I don't even yeah. go there with current players um, too often. Uh, what would what would you say if someone asked you to be on a podcast during your playing career? Uh, it depends on the podcast. depends on the podcast and the context and for how long and what the topics were going to be. Um, you know, I was always pretty comfortable in front of a camera or, you know, speaking to people. So um, would probably have been more open to it. Um, than some people and you know for guys that have had challenges I could see why they would want to avoid it um, yeah. and not have to deal with that and, and rehash some of those things um, you know for myself I think it's it's important that that struggles I've had because we, we we all have struggles you know for me fortunately it wasn't on the substance side but I, I had my struggles and my issues and still have my struggles and my issues um, and things that I have to deal with uh, on, a, on a mental and an emotional and a spiritual level um, um, I could see how for some people it would be very challenging to do that while they're playing. So for me, it would just depend on the context of the podcast. Like, what are we going to be talking about? Are we going to be talking about, you know, the game against Montreal next week, or are we going to talk about, you know, what happened in that playoff series? Or are we going to be, you're talking about fishing? Are we talking about hunting? Are we talking you're about, fish? I do love you? fishing. Me too. I, man. I, I wish I had more time. That's actually one. Th well, kids actually probably interfered with that more than anything. Um, but one thing I loved in Ottawa, one of my, you know, we, I got to know uh, a lot of people there and one of my really good friends, um, he had a boat, little flat bottom, and we were five minutes from the water, like from the river and from 10 minutes from a whole bunch of different lakes. So we would just, we called it men's fellowship because our wives were friends. So we basically would tell the girls like, Hey, like go get your nails done or whatever. And we're just like, we're going to have men's fellowship. So men's, men's retreat or men's fellowship retreat. And we just go, just go hit the water, That's which was awesome. awesome. 
That's so awesome. Hey, man, listen, I know we've been doing this a long uh, over an hour. You probably, um, you know, want to wrap it up. But I want to get to just a couple comments uh, coming in. Uh, just actually just we'll probably just do the one. But uh, Adam Running says, hey, Matt, I had a chance to meet you when you played in Ottawa. You were and are a class act with the fans. Thanks for the positive experience and the autograph, which is kind of cool. That's uh, yeah. Adam. So I think that's always nice when we can take the take the time to, you know, mingle with fans is that something you did a lot of did you take uh, take the extra time all the time i try to um it's hard just like everybody like not every day was my perfect day um no no i didn't do everything right all the time Uh, i always felt that you know if if i could impact someone positively and if i was fortunate enough to be in a position to where people want your autograph and they want to talk to you or they want a picture um that i should be responsible with that and being responsible with that means you can you can impact someone's life positively in in a in a good way. Um, again, I wasn't always wasn't always perfect in that regard, but um, but I, I I tried I tried to do that. Yeah, well, um, that's all we can do, right? And that's what I think a lot of people forget. Cass is that you know just because you know a hockey player you're playing in the NHL, like you take that gear off, you're just a you're just a guy still trying oh, to get through life. Absolutely, people forget that. I, I really oh, they they forget that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one. absolutely. I mean, it's it's one, you know, I'm fortunate now just even with what I do for work that I get to work with a lot of guys still and athletes still and um, and even just being involved with the alumni here in Edmonton and guys that have retired, the guys that retired a long time ago and guys that retired recently, like myself is like, uh, you know, we all think maybe when we're younger or growing up or not even just younger, but just watching NHL players or, or athletes or anyone, it could be movie stars, could be whatever. It's like, we, we get this identity that, that forms um, that we, you know, kind of project onto them and typically forms around them as well, where, um, and I'm sure you felt the same way where for so long, all you identify with is I'm an athlete, I'm a hockey player, I'm an athlete, I'm a hockey player. Um, and so it becomes really difficult to shed that. Um, and so it's a combination, I think, of, of expectations that people place as well as expectations we place on ourselves. And, um, and it can be, it can be a, a, in a challenging environment or identity to, to have and to, you know, really try to figure out and to sort through, I guess. So, yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, I think, you know what, it actually would be fun to actually spend a whole podcast talking about that stuff. Cause I, yeah, I, I think we're going to have to bring you on again, but there is a one more thing. Uh, my buddy out there and in, in, in your area, David Carlson yeah. wants in at Panther gym is a friend and a shinny buddy, small world. Yeah. So. Panther gym is awesome. Haven't been there in years, but that was uh that was a blast. I had a fun there. It was a great, great spot. Last, last question uh, from Jason Porter wants to know. Oh, just someone just put a comment, so I clicked that one again. Uh, one of the greatest podcasts to date. What's your opinion on concussions and the relationship between equipment? Yeah, well, that that may have something to do with it. Um, yeah, that may have something to do with it. Like, there's there's so many factors still with concussions that I think need to get um, uh, figured out. Like from a science standpoint. Um, you know, the, the, and he may be referring to the argument that, you know, if we had smaller, less protective equipment, it would slow things down because people would be a little bit more cautious. And there may be some truth to that. That being said, I'm kind of like, well, why would you want to decrease something that does help you, you keep you safe? Um, so yeah, what, what I hope is, is they continue to go and they've made strides with it already from a helmet standpoint that they have, have recently really started to improve helmets um, to be able to help with that. And that they the more that they discover, the more that they help. But it's an interesting question. One, I don't know if I have an answer for just because I don't necessarily know the science behind that 
well enough to have a, a good opinion like where you know if you made shoulder pads not as shoulder paddy would it be would you be better off um less concussions like that's a that's a big question so i don't know if i have a, a well-formed opinion that i can give did you just get order pizza did you just get pizza to your house oh yeah most definitely we were, we were actually doing a pizza night so my wife will okay, be up there well, again uh, the dogs, yeah, the parking. <laughs> the last, uh, question that i have for you because i need to know what exactly are you doing in the business world yeah, I good, that and good. i run out of time yeah no great question uh no it's fine so um, I, uh, I, I jumped right in post-hockey. I had to finish my commerce degree because I've been slowly chipping away at it. Nice. Um, so I finished my commerce degree and then jumped right into the, the world of finance. Um, spent a couple of years with, uh, with the firm with some truly, absolutely wonderful, wonderful people. Um, and then had the opportunity to, to jump ship to where I'm at now. Uh, Raymond James is the name of the firm. Um, but we, uh, you know, uh, we work primarily with athletes, professional athletes, which is, which is a lot of fun for me, uh, gets me involved in them and I can speak into their lives a little bit, uh, on the financial side, but then you get to, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm the age, same age as some of them now, but some of them are younger and you already start to see them as, is like little brothers or kids. Um, um, so you want to basically want to take care of them that way and, and help them make sure that on the finance side, they're doing smart things with their money. And, yeah. um, and it, it's fun too. Cause I just, I like that investment business financial side of it. So that, that part's a lot of fun too. And then, you know, get to do it in the U S and Canada, which is pretty unique in, in what we're able to do. And, and it's just fun. I like it. It's a, it's a lot That's of fun. Awesome, man. Hey, listen, uh, we'll have to do this again because I, you know, I know you got to go, you're busy. I don't know when you'll be able to do it again with your busy schedule, but I, I, man, I listen, I appreciate it big time. Um, you're such a, you're, you're a great dude, man. And I'm Thank so you. happy. Listen, I'm so happy that you have transitioned out of hockey, especially as the role of an enforcer. There's so many nightmare stories, man. And I, I know of multiple guys that lived uh, and played the career that you're, that are struggling right now um, between substance abuse, even psych wards and different yeah. things. Um, guys that have Stanley Cup rings and everything. So it's not easy you should be really proud of yourself for your career and even more proud of yourself for transitioning out, um, doing what you're doing, uh, because it seems like you're in a really great, great place, man. So congratulations on a wonderful career and keep it up, man. You seem like you're really happy. I'm proud of that. Proud of you, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I will say it's by by the grace of God because it easily could have yeah. gone a different direction. So I'm, I'm very fortunate in that and and would love to sit again and, and unpack stuff a little bit more. I know we talked kind of lots of broad things, but I think it's important to do what you're doing um, and to talk about not just mental health and substance abuse, but things that we're going through and, and unpack them. And, um, you know, as for, for me, one of my biggest things is, you know, that identity we have as an athlete is, 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 is a shell um, that is easily broken and stripped away. And, uh, and it's really important to start digging down a little bit um, um, into that. And, and you, you've started to do that and to talk about those things, Brady, I think is, is so wonderful. You know, as I initially reached out to you, I was so happy to see, um, you know, well, I mean, a few things, multiple emotions. First, so, so, you know, so um, heartbroken to see that you had to go through what you did from a journey standpoint and um, not wanting anybody to see to go through that is, is never fun to see. Uh, but then also so encouraged and uh, um, um, uplifted by seeing where you're at now and what you're doing now, which is just so wonderful to be able to share that with people. As I, you know, my wife says all the time, people don't know it, but I'm a, I'm a real closet. Well, she didn't maybe necessarily know it till I started to have daughters and now I just cried everything. So, oh, so man, I, I'm the biggest crier too. Oh, so all the time. Hey, listen, I didn't want to, I didn't want to pry 
too much. That's why I didn't get into that. But maybe I wanted to get to know you. And honestly, I love to talk hockey. And I, and I think we covered a lot of great things. But um, if you ever want to come back, man, you have a standing invite. And I think, I, I think you know, more people are going to want to hear more from you. And, and I would love to to hear more about, you know, your journeys and, and your ups and downs. Because, uh, I mean, we all have them. And I think yeah. it's important to share them, right? And at, at whatever capacity you feel comfortable with. But I appreciate your time. Go have fun pizza night with the girls, yeah. man. Um, and yeah, I hope all, most of them are sleeping. I think just my wife will be awake, so it'll be oh, it'll be quiet. Yeah. Beautiful. That's that's <laughs> great. That's great. So um, I hope you get to enjoy some uh, guy fellowship time soon too, because yeah, it's men's fellowship. Yeah, we know we're still locked down here, but hopefully at some point that'd be great. I need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cass. Listen, thanks, man. Keep doing Thank what you so much. You, man. Thank you. You as well. You as well. Okay, we'll okay. see ya. See you. Talk soon, man. That's Matt Cassian. Former NHLer, what a great guy. Great guy. I'm not surprised, not one bit. Um, I would have kept him for another hour, no joke. I had lots to talk about, but he's got the family. Um, it was already pushed back. We're doing it late. If you watched live, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to get to the giveaway here, the Bob Probert ride shirt um, in a second. But I wanted to share some pictures in the community puck support coach mark hollick former whl coach and now runs the yale prep academy and he's also the host of the voice and the coach podcast which i have been on his wife janet is one of our biggest supporters uh, so is mark actually there he is in his it's okay to be not okay crew neck Thank you, Mark. Um, I'm going to unpack some more pictures next episode. But today, I'm going to show you guys a picture of Lincoln and I rocking our puck support hats. That's a youth puck support hat. Lincoln, my little bud. Hadley's rocking one, too. They actually share it. It's Lincoln's hat. I just put it on Hadley's head. She doesn't really wear hats, but she looks super cute in it. Uh, also, I will show you guys this picture in case you missed it. One year. I feel pretty good about it. Um, thank you again for all your support. Everybody, it would take me another week to run through all the names of everybody that's contributed uh, over this past year. Um, I hope you guys know who you are um, because I love you all. And the word grat gratitude, the word grateful comes out of my mouth a lot. I just, my vocabulary is not that well-versed. I'm not a thesaurus. I don't have any other words for it. I'm just so grateful. Tomorrow, I go down to Oakville. This is the last episode of Hockey to Hell and Back that you will see me do without my teeth. So next episode, well, I may take them out because I may have a small speech impediment for a few days, but we'll get through it. Nothing keeps me down. And I hope that, uh, if anything's keeping you down, if you're watching or listening to this, that you could find a way to rise up. And if you need support, you can reach out to me um, directly. The best way is email. I'm telling you, I know people send me messages on Facebook and, and the different pages. I know it's a lot. Instagram. It. I, I honestly, I don't have the time in the day to go through all my social media. I wish I did, but there's just other things that are going on. So if you want to get a hold of me, and you don't have my personal cell phone number, email me, brady at pucksupport.com. 
That's Brady at PuckSupport.com. And that's the way that I will for sure get back to you. And if you're trying to get a hold of me and you haven't heard back from me, please don't feel that you're bothering me because you're not. Um, I've probably just not seen the message because if I see a message, I will at least engage and say, hey, I'll get back to you later or whatever. Um, So if you've sent me a message and I haven't responded, please don't feel upset or hurt or that I'm avoiding you because I never do that, not to anybody. Um, Although that's not entirely true, there's a couple people that I'm now avoiding that are haters. Um, And I'll be honest, there's been a couple people along this journey that we're friends and are friends, but I've had to separate myself from them. That doesn't mean that, you know, I don't find ways to support them. I just can't do it myself personally because I have my own issues going on and sometimes I can't deal with it all. And there's been certain individuals um, that have put a lot of pressure on me over this last year at different times for things I'm doing, the things they like, things they don't like. And uh, it, I sometimes have to set boundaries and I hope you guys can appreciate that. Um, But for me to have to do that, um, there's a lot that has to happen. And I don't never cast anybody out. It's not like, okay, I can't talk to you. You're on your own. I would never do that. I will always make sure you feel like you have support. And I'm sorry that if you're one of those people where I've had to put a, a little bit of distance, the reason why is because I have to take care of my own mental health first. Um, that's what, that's what I have to do. And I hope that over the, this next year, um, those individuals and I can, can somehow come back together because I'm just, I I have to rid the toxic people uh, out of my life. That doesn't mean people struggling. I mean, the people that attack me on different levels or try to engage in arguments and different things. I do not have time for that. Just know that if that's something that you want to Uh, take on with me. I have zero time for that because I'm all positive. um, And there's a difference between having a conversation to support somebody and being abused on the other end um, and being used, used and abused. I've had people try to use me um, as they have since I was a young boy, uh, but I'm not letting that happen anymore. Uh, I'm standing up for myself. I used to stand up for my friends and my teammates, and I still do that. But now I'm standing up for myself for once in my life. And sometimes that includes boundaries. So just please understand that sometimes I will have to take time for myself. Um, It doesn't happen often. No, it really doesn't. So anyways, um, thank you to everybody that watched. We're going to get Timmy Krause. Tim Krause. Crazy. Didn't know he was watching. What's up, Tim? Dave Carlson, stand tall. You bet. You bet. Dave, love you, man, out there in Alberta. Um, thanks for keeping everybody skate sharp. Uh, you're the best. I-, I heard you're the best. I- and that's not just, I'm not just saying that. I've had a couple people that have said, you know, David's really good at what he does. And you're just such a great guy. So, David, I hope you're doing well. Can't wait to meet you finally, whenever that day is. I want to say hello uh, to my buddy, uh, Jesse Tucker. I know him and his girlfriend are watching. I hope that. Uh, we can get together um, soon and skate on that sick outdoor rink. Cameron Prouty, what's going on, buddy? Um, hope you're doing well. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. The struggle is real. So we're going to give away this T-shirt. A lot of people aren't watching probably that we're at the beginning of the show. I've had people in and out. The first person that can tell me Bob Probert's slogan, 
Drop a comment right now. You're going to win this Bob Probert ride shirt. Drop a comment down below. I said at the beginning of the podcast, episode 24, brought to you by Team Issue Limited and the Puck Support Network in memory of Bob Probert. Does anybody know the slogan that I said? There you go, David. You're the man, our winner. My man, David Carlson. Keep your dukes up. Couldn't have gone to a better guy. Thank you, David, for uh, watching. Um, you watch pretty much everything I do, and I'm so grateful. I'm so glad this is going to you. Um, it is a extra large, so I hope it fits. Um, they fit kind of big. This is a large, and I mean, I'm kind of skinny mini right now, but um, packing on the pounds with my eggs and beans and toast. Um, what else do I want to say before we go? There's a couple things I need to say um, before we go. And one of those is that tomorrow, um, Brennan Detloff, his would have been team, his brother Carter and the Sailors are playing their first game back since Michigan governor lifted the, the ban on hockey. And the first game back since Brennan passed away. I got a text from both Brian Detloff and Rona Detloff today, the parents asking if we could send the prayers um, to the family and to the team. Um, Carter's gonna be wearing Brennan's number 22. Um, and they have a YouTube channel. They have a YouTube channel and they would really be appreciative of everybody can subscribe to that YouTube channel. I'm gonna put up the banner right now. It's called Sailor Hockey on, on YouTube. Sailor Hockey, just like this. If you could do me one favor throughout this whole year, go to YouTube. If you're not already there, take the extra couple minutes, okay? Sign into Google. Make a YouTube account, it takes two seconds. You can use your Google Google account. Subscribe to Sailor Hockey. I don't even care if you subscribe to the Puck Sport Podcast Network. Subscribe to Sailor Hockey so that they can stream the game live tomorrow at 4.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, in memory of Brennan Detloff. And I'll be watching. Uh, I may be back I should be back by uh, from Oakville tomorrow, hopefully connecting with Doug Gilmore. Fingers crossed. He just messaged me before the podcast saying he's going to meet me at 1115. It didn't work out the other day. Um, I do want to, oh yeah, as promised, starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow on the Puck Support Network Facebook page, okay? Silent auction, um, There'll be all the details on the Facebook page tomorrow. Silent auction for a copy of this book donated by the Probert family, Danny Probert and the kids, to Puck Support to auction off. And if you haven't seen, it's signed by Joey Kosher and Bob Probert. So all the money uh, that we make is going to be donated to Puck Support, Mental Health and Addiction Fund, Thank you to the Proberts. I love this shirt. I got the hat on. 
we got the mask and I'm going to work on the bandana. I'm going to work on the bandana. I did. I kind of did figure it out, but I was like, eh, maybe I didn't. I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't want to look like an idiot. At least I can be mad enough to tell you that. Um, but I actually don't really care if I look like an idiot. I've been doing a podcast with no teeth for the last year, but that's all going to change. Thanks to Rob McDougall and Raymond Salinas. Thank you guys. Couple more things, couple more things. To donate to the Probert ride and to get more information, the links are on the screen. www.hdjgh, let me try that again. hdgh.org slash donate. Um, Anybody that wants merchandise from the ride, They don't have a store. They sell out every single year. Um, It'll be available again in the springtime. Um, Hopefully the Probert ride goes on this year with COVID and everything. I I have no idea. I can't make a comment on that, but I sure hope it does because I can't wait to get down there myself. Um, I think it's a great cause. The money goes to the cardiac services in the Windsor Essex area and they're uh, building the cardiac center in Bob's name. And it's just so amazing. And that is how you can get more information the ticker on the bottom uh and also on instagram at probert ride and also the probert ride page on facebook the last thing i'm going to say before i go tomorrow morning tomorrow morning at 10 a.m eastern standard time the puck support prayer group the very first one via Zoom. I'm going to post a link on the Puck Support Facebook page. We hope everybody that wants to can join us. Okay. I spoke with Nathan Weeb. I spoke with Nathan Weeb, who is the chaplain of the Swift Current Broncos and the Swift Current Legionnaires just minutes before coming on the podcast to sort of just go through how tomorrow's going to go. And I will just tell you guys that tomorrow is just about people coming together who want maybe want people to pray for them. Maybe they want to pray for somebody. This is not going to be, you know, we're not pushing any sort of religion on you, Christianity, nothing. However, having said that, we did discuss about possibly offering Bible studies on like a secondary thing so that the people that want to come for prayer regardless if you're you know regardless i'm not going to go through the religions doesn't matter what religion or however you identify if you want to come to a positive space for prayer tomorrow on zoom 10 a.m everybody's welcome nathan weeb is going to be running it he has a bachelor in sports psychology and also uh, is the chaplain for the Swift Current Broncos. And he's uh, in charge of uh, the youth services in Swift Current, working with at-risk youth. And I believe he came into my life, into the Puck Sport Foundation, the Puck Sport Network, um, at the exact right time. This is something I need more of. I pray pretty much all day, every day. And it's been a big part of my life. I don't talk about it a lot because I understand it's not for everybody. But I do believe it is for everybody. Now, I hope to see anybody that wants to come. Please feel welcome. Um, If you don't want to turn on your video, you don't have to. If you want to stay anonymous, 
Everything that's in the group stays in the group. Everything that happens in the group stays in the group. Dad, keep your mitts up. My dad got it wrong. Keep your mitts up. Almost, Dad. You're hilarious. Love you lots, Dad. Honestly, my dad and I are able to... I I can't talk about too much because I'll cry like a little baby. But my dad and I, man, we actually have conversations now. And I said to him, I'm like, hey, you know, like I call you after a podcast maybe or whatever. Because I used to call my dad after every single game unless I played complete, completely horrible. Then I would refrain from calling him. Um, not because he ever said anything but then again dad i'll say you never really told me i played well you were always just neutral and i i respect that um very few times my dad's like yeah you played great or you played good and he just said yep yep good game team played well he never you know he never even when he was my coach he never singled me out or, or made me feel more special or anything and i i really respect that about my dad sometimes i wish he would have boosted me up a little bit more, but he never wanted my ego to get out of check because I'll be honest, my ego was so far up my butt. Um, and I was just a little, I was pretty arrogant. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and for, for no reason, really, it was not, I was nothing special. And I think my dad recognized that and he just wanted to keep me in check. So dad, I respect you for that. I love you. And I love the fact that we're friends again, and hopefully we can play some golf and continue building on this relationship. We're gonna have golf shirts, uh, puck sport golf shirts in the spring. Um, yes, so huh, Jesse, yeah, you got it, buddy. You got it. Bacon or not bacon. Well, we can add bacon to it. I always say that eggs, beans and toast, my favorite. Anyways, if you wanna support what we're doing here at puck support, this is the last thing I'm gonna say. Go to pucksupport.com slash shop. You can also donate on there. There's increments of $10. We've had uh, a few people donate, which is great. Um, all the merchandise getting out to the communities. We have a courier. The courier comes to the house to pick up the packages to get them out, and they're they're delivered within days. It's amazing. And and we're enjoying doing what we're doing. Susan and I are, are working quite a bit. Not so much the last couple of days. Uh, I had Veda here last night, so it kind of slowed down production. But as soon as I'm done here, I'm going to the to the workshop because I got stuff to do. Um, and there's always more to be done. So, you know, if you've bought Puck Support merchandise, please post it and please post the names, uh, the name of whoever may be uh, in your sweatshirt or T-shirt or hat or whatever it is. And if you want to be featured on the podcast... By all means, send me the picture. I'll gladly uh, throw it up on the next podcast because I love um, showing that we're out there in the communities. It's It's been a lot of fun. Um, anyways, wish me luck tomorrow picking up my teeth. So where I say wish me luck, it's wish me luck with my speech impediment because I'm going to talk like this um, probably for a couple of days. So bear with me <laughs> anyways guys thank you so much for watching if you're listening on apple podcast or spotify wherever please if you can do something rate and review one star if you think it's one star to whatever just be honest um areas i can improve in i can take it trust me i've been criticized a lot worse um than what people probably say about this podcast even if they say the worst things um 
I need it. Uh, I need criticism. I need feedback. Um, I love to hear from from everybody. So please, um, if you can do something, just rate and review. And if you really do like the podcast, share it with your friends and family. Press share on Facebook, wherever you're listening to, because I have no advertising budget. I have zero advertising budget. I rely solely on you guys and anything that I'm doing. And it's a lot. And I do a lot throughout the day. And sometimes I just don't have the time or the energy to do it. So I rely on you guys. And I'm very appreciative. I'm so grateful for your support. If you're struggling, reach out to Sandra, Sandra at Puck Support, or me, Brady at Puck Support. And I'll try to talk you through it. I'm not a professional. I will tell you, I'm not a professional, but I have professional life experience. I'll tell you that. But I have no certifications. Not yet. I hope that's going to change in the near future. Never forget Bob Probert, episode 24 in memory of Bob Probert. Congratulations to David Carlson, winner of the Bob Probert ride shirt. If you're not having a good day tomorrow, stop and tell yourself, ask yourself why, then tell yourself you're going to change your attitude, change your perspective and have a great day if you so choose.